All right, we're going to spend some time this morning in First uh, Kings. So if you guys want to turn there at this time, we'll be looking at chapter 19. I don't know if you guys know this or not about me, but <clears throat> talking about Jesus is my favorite thing. I love talking about the Lord. I love getting into his word. I love this time of year because it is an opportunity where a lot of time we live in a world, you know, Lance brought up that obedience and disobedience this morning. And again, we can't earn our salvation. It's not like, oh, how obedient I was. I get to go to heaven. No, we get to go to heaven because of Jesus' obedience. Amen? Okay, but because of his obedience, because he loved us so much, for the joy that was set before him, he endured the cross. God so loved the world. We love him because he first loved us, don't we? And why do you think we're obedient? Because we love him. Kind of like our kids. They can be disobedient and obedient. But when they're being obedient, it's out of a love, isn't it? Hey, I love you, Dad. Love you, Mom. Love God. He's told me to honor you guys. I'm going to obey, right? It's pretty simple that way. So if we're disobedient, I always ask the question, where's the disconnect? (laughs) Where am I not loving God rightly? Where am I not receiving his love for me in the way I ought to be that I'm responding in such ways? And one of the things as we consider this time of year and we look at in our, our core verse going through the next few studies in this series comes out of out of Matthew chapter 1 verse 23 look or behold the virgin will conceive a child and bear a son and they shall call his name what Emmanuel which means God with us okay and that's what we're considering and what does that mean that he's actually with us and that is so foreign you guys understand God coming to his own <laughs> That is so foreign. You consider the religions of the world, their gods don't do that. This, this Jesus, the God of the Bible, the living God, is so radically different than any religion of the world. And that's why as Christians, in what the Bible teaches, we know it's not about religion. It's all about Jesus. And we need more Jesus, amen? Okay? could do away with religion. <laughs> um, so I want to consider, last week we looked at being in the valley, okay? We get to enjoy him on the mountaintops. We get to know him in the valleys. And many of us are going through valleys. A few of you reached out this week and just shared some really hard things you've been going through and facing in those valley seasons is an opportunity to really get to know Jesus more, to grow in him. And if you missed last week's study, encourage you to catch it online. But this morning we're going to consider experiencing God in the wilderness. In the wilderness, guys, is a metaphor for those trials or hardships or seasons of wandering. You ever been in a season where you just don't know where you're going? You don't know what's happening, what's going on here, okay? And we're not sure what we should do next. Actually, that brings me back to the question. That's why I wanted to wait. Let me go find that real quick. We've been doing this thing called Ask a Pastor. We have little bitty cards around. If you guys have a question, you can write it down, and I'll try to answer it the best I can. If I can't, guess what? We'll find somebody who can, or sometimes we just don't know, right? Um, but this is one, uh, one question that came up 
recently, and I thought in light of this morning's study that this was very fitting. And the question is, why does God not allow me to join a career I feel best suits my skills? And this would definitely fill it, you know, fall into that feeling of, hey, I'm wandering. I, I don't know what's going on. I don't know where I'm going. I just kind of feel stuck here, okay? Um, and this came from an anonymous person, which you guys are welcome to put that, but I'd love to know who's asking these questions so we can talk more at length. But I want to keep these ask a qu- or pastor questions really short. Thing is, as we look to the scriptures, guys, there's no specific guidance given. You won't find a single verse that says, hey, you should be a, you know, subway worker and, you know, hook up Pastor Landon with some sweet subs. <laughs> I don't know. It doesn't say specifically what you should do. So there's no instruction given from God's word on whether you should become an engineer or a teacher or whatever career you should have. But what do we do? Do And I want to give you three things that we should do when it comes to asking God these type of questions. Because we are given gifts. I mean, look around the room for a moment. We all have different talents, different skills, right? And sometimes we're like, hey, you are so gifted with this, you should really do this with your life. And that would make sense. But what do we know about God? His ways aren't always our ways, okay? I'm called to be a teacher, Okay, that's one of those things that's a calling by God. If you look at my past and my education, well, that doesn't work. That doesn't fit, you know. How, how would you do that? And it comes down to, again, what is God asking in our lives? And we don't know unless we're actually talking. Are we actually seeking him? So the first thing I'd ask you guys to do is really pray. What do you want, God? You've given me gifts and talents. What do you want me to do with them? And the second thing is to be patient. How many of you guys want everything right now? Like, hey, I have this. I should be doing that right now, today. Why aren't these doors opening? Sometimes God may have something in sight for you, but it's just not time yet. And his timing is often different than ours is. And that's why it's good to wait on the Lord, because as we pray, he will answer. He'll either say yes, no, or wait. How many of you guys are on, you know, a waiting right now? God has just told you, hey, it's a waiting season. You know, you haven't got a clear answer. The only answer is wait right now. And the third thing is be wise. Do you guys know that in a multitude of counselors, there is safety, there is wisdom, and that's why it's really good to have people in your life that can counsel you well. So have wise counsel around you. Have those conversations, especially young people who are going to be choosing, hey, what am I going to do with my life? What does God have? Okay? Get to know some older brothers or sisters that you respect. Have them speak into your life to be praying for you. And make those choices very wise. Because sometimes we make our choices based on just, hey, this is my skill or this is what they did, so I should probably do the same thing. No, You seek the Lord and what he would have. And then Proverbs 3, 5, and 6 says, Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding, but in all your ways acknowledge him, and he shall direct your steps. And I think that is the biggest thing that we can do as believers when we have a question like this. God, what do you have? It seems like this should be happening, and it's not happening. Well, don't lean on your own understanding. Seek the Lord, okay? And he'll direct your steps. 
Amen? Amen. All right, let's get back to our study here this morning. So we're going to consider the wilderness this morning. Um, and a lot of us go through that, and we have similar questions. Should I stay at this job? Should I make a career change? Do I need to go back to school? There's a lot of times where we're in those desert or wilderness seasons. What's going on? <laughs> this is dry. I don't know what to be doing. Life has changed a little bit. And don't we all go through different seasons? And sometimes we step into a season we weren't expecting. I hear about that from some of you guys who have kids going on in their lives. They're leaving home, empty nesters. Here's a new season. This is different. This is new for us. What do we do now? So there's always things that we can consider, you know. Um, something better. What do you want, God? Wilderness seasons. Talked with somebody recently. Do I rent or do I buy a house? Start building some equity. I mean, there's so many life decisions that we make end up making. So things take faith sometimes. We need to say, hey, I sense the Lord leading this way. I'm going to step out in faith, okay? Uh, but we look to him no matter what. Um, oftentimes when we're in a wilderness season, we can feel stuck. You guys ever feel paralyzed by something? I just don't know what to do. I don't know how to function. I don't know how I'm going to get through this, where I'm going. Um, but I do want us to consider this because uh, wilderness often, guys, follows mountaintop experiences. You guys know what I'm talking about? Let's consider Jesus for a second. You guys remember what happened when Jesus got baptized in the scriptures? Would you guys say that was a mountaintop experience for him? The heavens open up. The Spirit of God descends upon him like a dove. God speaks from heaven. This is my son in whom I'm well pleased. That's a mountaintop experience, isn't it? That's pretty cool. I got baptized. That didn't happen. But if that happened, that'd be pretty cool. But for me, baptism was a pretty cool experience anyways. I could say that was a mountaintop experience. But for Jesus, when he got baptized, do you guys know what immediately happened after that? You guys can read the Gospels for yourself. He was driven where? To the wilderness. To the desert. For how long? 40 days. 40 days. And we know what happened during that 40 days. Satan showed up. He was tested. <laughs> he wasn't eating. He was fasting. Maybe you guys are in that wilderness season where you're being tested or tempted Okay? Maybe a friend has betrayed you. Maybe you're in a season where you just hate your job. It's a grind. It's the last thing you have to do, but you've got to go every day and do it anyways. You know, Maybe there's a pressure coming from whatever. You know, Maybe it's this time of season. You're spending too much money on Christmas. No, I can't pay my mortgage. I'm financially strapped. There's just weird, odd things that bring pressure into our lives. You know, Maybe you had a spouse that wasn't honest with you. Your heart's broken. Maybe you're hurting, confused, feeling empty. Now, the one thing I want us to catch this morning, and I want to drive home through this study with you guys, is that our deepest need, it becomes a gift when it drives you to depend upon God. Let me say that again. Our deepest need, guys, whatever that might be, 
it becomes a gift if it drives you into a deeper, closer, dependent relationship with God. Amen? But I don't like the hard things. Guys, it is a gift if it gets you closer to the Lord. There's times we go through some really hard things. You guys ever have a loved one, a friend that goes through some really hard things and they don't know Jesus yet? And you're like, is this going to be the thing where they finally break? Where they're broken in such a way that they're actually humble before their creator to receive his love? Because doesn't it suck going it alone? Knowing what? God is with us. He wants to be with us. I want to consider 1 Kings 19 with you guys because we're going to look at a man by the name of Elijah this morning. How many of you guys are familiar with him? Some of you because we did a retreat two years ago on the life of Elijah. We did a deep dive into the scriptures. We considered his whole life together. But there's a principle in the Old Testament that we can learn from him. And God really used him in massive ways. Okay, Elijah had those mountaintop experiences. He saw God do some radical things in the face of evil. You guys remember King Ahab? Okay, he told Jezebel all that Elijah had done there on Mount Carmel. Okay, killing the prophets. I was at Mount Carmel with a few of you guys when we went to Israel. Um, killing the prophets there. And Jezebel, okay, what'd she say? Hey! Elijah, you're going to be dead by this time tomorrow. She did not like what happened. You're going to get it, Mr. Prophet. Your days have been numbered. You are done. Um, So let's pick it up in verse 3 here in 1 Kings. Verse 3 says, Elijah, he was afraid. What did he end up doing? He runs for his life. And when he came to Beersheba there in Judah, he left his servant there. Well, he himself, he went a day's journey where? Into the wilderness. He went to the desert. And he came to a broom tree, okay, or bush. And he sat down under and he prayed that he might die. I have had enough, Lord, he says. Have you ever said that to God? I have had enough. This is all I can take, Lord. Take my life for I am. No better than my ancestors. So you guys remember, he ran 100 miles, right? Okay? I can't run a mile. How did this guy go 100 miles running? And he gets to this point, Lord, I had enough. I've had enough. I have teenagers, Lord. I've had enough. I can't go on. Lord. And we've all had those points in our life, right? At some point, we find ourselves saying the same thing. Lord, I've had enough. I've had it up to here. And there's nothing up here, not even hair. Like, I've had enough. Or don't make me. I can't do another thing. I've had enough. I've had enough of my boss. He's a narcissist. Passive aggressive. I can't take being under him any longer. I've had enough of him and all the demands of this job. 
Lord, I've been trying to get out of debt, trying to make our way through, and the car just broke down again. And i got to go see the doctor again. You guys ever get to that point where you just had enough? I've had doctor fatigue for years. I'm just sick of going to see them. I just want to be done. you got to go see them. I don't care. I'd rather live with the pain. I've had enough. You guys ever feel that way about things? Or maybe you just got done making dinner for the family, and they all enjoyed it, and the dishes are just all left there on the table, and you're like, oh, I've had enough. You guys know we can handle a lot in life. God has created us to handle a lot. Do you guys ever feel like sometimes just one more thing, just one more thing on the plate, it's all just going to fall apart? It's going to push you over the edge, just one more thing. So think about this with me for a second, guys. Elijah the prophet, pretty cool guy. He's, he's actually going to be one of the uh, two witnesses that come back in the book of Revelation, right? Okay, pretty radical prophet. So he prophesied, he actually stood down the evil of King Ahab. He was an evil king. And he prophesied that there wasn't going to be any rain as a result of this sin, okay? It's not going to rain for three years, King Ahab, okay? You are a wicked king. You've done evil. You're sinning against God. There are going to be consequences, okay? So really, during that time, Ahab pursues Elijah like crazy. And well, in his hiding for those three years, you guys remember the ravens came and fed Elijah? Okay, God was taking care of him. During that time, he raised a boy who had been dead, okay, back to life. And then there, he takes on 850 prophets of Baal. You guys remember that? And he calls fire down upon their sacrifice, and they're all consumed dead right so pretty cool prophet and then he prays and he asks for rain and it hadn't rained forever and up there in the clouds what did they see one little cloud how big was it size of a hand and he had faith that it was going to rain and guess what it rained right so we look at the life of Elijah do you guys see that there's God's protection and provision in his life Okay? He was facing some pretty radical things, but God was there taking care of Elijah. So really, an angry woman makes one threat and the dude falls apart. Are you guys catching what's going on in this story? One woman! One threat, and he's falling apart. So when you look at Elijah, he seems exhausted at this point. And maybe you guys can relate I hear that from a lot of people. What's one of the responses you get from somebody? How you doing? What do most people say nowadays? It's not good anymore. I hear more tireds. Do you guys hear that from a lot of people? I'm tired. I'm just really tired. I am wiped out. And it's not just regular tired. People are depleted. And I think that's what Elijah, you know, found himself at this place. And you guys know that there is place for us to have physical rest, but we also need spiritual refreshment. 
That's why repentance is the sweetest word in all the Bible. You can jot down Acts 3.19, repent, that times of refreshing may come from being in the presence of the Lord. There's nothing like being with God, being refreshed by him. Okay? The Lord is my shepherd, right? He makes me lie down. He restores my soul. This is Jesus, guys. He is the one who can restore our souls, refresh our souls. And how many of us are feeling completely depleted? We're longing. We're beyond tired. We just feel depleted. Are you guys in that place? Sometimes it's just like, hey, how you doing? I'm, I'm wiped, but you got a whole night of sleep. Aren't you feeling okay? It's past the physical. There's a depletion. Okay? You guys ever go to sleep and you get a good night's sleep, but you wake up and you still feel just as tired or even more tired sometimes? What's going on? Okay? I think there's deeper things going on, something that a nap can't fix. And there's a spiritual hunger, a spiritual need that all people have that Christ alone can meet. So when we consider the Lord being our shepherd, okay, he is the one who's able to restore our souls. So God, what does he do with Elijah here? Did you guys see the sermon that he preached to Elijah? Elijah, you you need to get this. I need to teach you a few things so you can get over your issues. Is that what God did with Elijah? Not at all, okay? He doesn't rebuke him. He doesn't question him. Yo, mighty prophet of mine, where is your faith? What does he do? He tells them to eat and rest. Check it out, verse 5. And at once the angel touched him and said, get up and eat. He looked around, and there by his head there was some gluten-free Christmas cookies and a glass of milk. Oh, you guys don't have that version? There was some freshly baked bread over a fire, right? In a jar of water. He's wiped out. How refreshing would that be? Some good bread, some water to quench my thirst. And it tells us that he ate and drank and he lay down again. The most spiritual thing that you can do sometimes is rest, guys. Jesus took naps. It's good to rest, to rest in him, to be still and to know God. Last week we talked about dry seasons. What do we need to do? Dig wells. And there are seasons that we need to be digging, preparing ourselves. But there's also seasons where you're going to hear God say, hey, stop. You just need to stop. You need to be still and know I am God. Look at verse 7. Then the angel of the Lord came back a second time and touched him and said, Get up and eat, for the journey is too much for you. So he got up and he ate and drank. Strengthened by the food, he traveled 40 days and 40 nights until he reached Horeb, the mountain of God. And there he went into a cave, he spent the night, and the word of the Lord came to him. What are you doing here, Elijah? Do you guys know that we serve a God of second chances? I so love that. 
God is merciful. Slow to anger, guys. And he gives second, third, fourth chances. That's our God. And he asks the question, what are you doing here? What good is it for you to be here? What are you doing here? And when is he speaking to him? At night. Did God speak to you guys last night? Does God speak in the middle of the night? You betcha. Look at verse 10. And then he replied, I've been very zealous for the Lord God Almighty. The Israelites have rejected your covenant, torn down your altars, and put your prophets to death with the sword. And I'm the only one left, God. And now they're trying to kill me. Are you guys the only ones that complain to God sometimes? Whoops. This is a mighty man of God. God, I'm the only one. I'm it. I'm going to die. I love how God meets with him, how God ministers to Elijah in his need. And again, guys, your deepest need becomes a gift when it drives you to depend upon God. Are you guys seeing the point here this morning? It is a gift. Let's continue on in the story. Then the Lord said in verse 11, Go and stand on the mountain in the presence of the Lord, for the Lord is about to pass by. Then a great and powerful wind that tore the mountains apart and shattered the rocks before the Lord. But the Lord was not in the wind. In the wind, there was an earthquake, but the Lord was not in the earthquake. And after the earthquake came fire. But the Lord was not in the fire. And after the fire came a small, still voice, a gentle whisper. What? A gentle whisper. You may be asking, what translation are you reading this morning, Pastor? This isn't the New King James. I picked a paraphrase for this morning. We've all studied this before. And it's because of this. After the fire came a gentle whisper. I love how that is put here. Do you hear the gentle whispers of your God? He wasn't in the wind, right? The Lord was not in the wind. He was not in the earthquake. He was not in the fire. Those are pretty spectacular things. He didn't speak in those things. God wasn't in the remarkable. He was in the ordinary. A gentle whisper. You see, when we're overwhelmed, maybe anxious, stressed out, and you guys know that this time of year people are more anxious and stressed than any other time during the year? But I love the holidays, best time of the year. Some people didn't get the memo. But when we're going through things like that, and we are overwhelmed, why does God's voice seem to be so 
small, so quiet. Why doesn't he speak in powerful ways? Why doesn't he shout through the earthquake? If he wants me to know him, to experience him, to really trust him, why doesn't he write it in the sky? Why isn't he shouting? Why does he whisper, guys? whispers because he wants you to know he's near. He wants you to know that he's right there. That he will never leave you or forsake you because he is right there. Now, the devil, on the other hand, loves to shout, doesn't he? He has a lot of lies that he loves to shout. Who do you think you are? Oh, you blew it again. You think you can do that? You suck. You sinned again. God doesn't really love you. He couldn't love you. near us just leans over and says son daughter I do love you I love you so much I am with you even in the hardest stuff even though it's this bad I am with you and I'm not going to leave you I'm going to be with you through it all to the end. I have one of my kids in the room right now. I love, oh, the baby's laying down. <laughs> you guys might remember I love my kids. They're a lot of fun. But I hate that they're getting older. I've been telling them for years, stop eating, stop growing. Like, you're not allowed to grow up anymore. Stay little. I love littles. And one of my favorite things when they're little, and a lot of you guys may experience the same thing with your kids, or maybe it was you with your parents. But you guys remember when the storms would come rolling in? Hear the crashes. Thunder, shake the house a little bit. And what do the kids do? They come running into the bedroom. They jump in bed with you. They want to be near you. And as a parent, isn't that just the most fun? Absolutely. I'll make room. Sonny, move over. We need room. <laughs> I love that. They don't do it anymore. Sometimes I wish they would. But I think that's what God loves too. When we, with that childlike faith, run to him.
Daddy, I need you. I need to be close to you. And he doesn't say, no, go back to your room. He says, absolutely. I'm right here for you. Everything's going to be okay. It's just a storm. It's going to pass. Just stay with me. Stay right here until it's done. I want to conclude our time just looking at a few verses out of the Psalms together. You guys can turn to Psalm 23, but I want to mark Psalm 34 for a second. It tells us the Lord is close to the brokenhearted, and he saved those who are crushed in spirit. Blessed are the poor in spirit. Doesn't that come from the Sermon on the Mount? Is that one of the things that Jesus first taught when he came? A lot of people never find God because they're never poor in spirit. There's never a brokenness. Because for those who truly seek him with all their heart, they find him. And some of you guys can testify to that. Some of you once walked in disbelief, didn't even believe there was a God. But someone shared the good news, the gospel with you. That there is very much a very real God, the creator of heaven and earth. And though we live in a fallen world that's pretty messed up, he loved us. He loved us enough to come and do what we couldn't do. He came to save us so we could be forgiven of our sin and actually be back in relationship with him. And for you who have come to faith, poor in spirit, humbled yourself, bowed the knee, you've come to know him. You've come to know the greatest relationship you'll ever have. There's nothing like knowing the living God. but he's close to the brokenhearted. And this is what I fear for some who've come to faith in Christ. I had that season. God made himself known. I was born again of the spirit, alive. I have hope, real hope for the first time. I'm at peace with my maker. This is awesome. But life goes on. Things happen. And you're no longer close to him. What changed? I'm brokenhearted. Am I going to run to my Heavenly Father's bedroom because there's a storm going on? Because I'm scared? No, actually, I run to Ben and Jerry's now because my comfort food. <laughs> that works. I don't, we, I don't think we hunger. We're not poor in spirit. In a way, maybe we once were. And I say this, guys, because I want to encourage you. Okay? Run to Jesus. Even if you've been in Christ for a while, you keep running to him. Because he is there. And there is no one like him. Okay? And that's where I want to look this morning at Psalm 23 just for a moment. I know this is a psalm that you guys are very familiar with, but in light of considering Elijah this morning and the God who is near us, I think this is so applicable. It says, the Lord is my shepherd. And we know that he's the good shepherd, right? He's the great shepherd of the sheep, we're told in the New Testament. I shall not want. I YouTubed a lot this week, I have to confess. 
I just watched a lot of information, almost to the point it was just overwhelming. It's like, what do you do with all of this? And one of the ones I caught that I found that was very fascinating is just how much stuff we have here in the West. You guys know we are the most prosperous generation that's ever lived. And yet we are the most depressed generation there's ever been. What is up? Stuff doesn't fix the problems, guys. But isn't that what we've been taught? Isn't that what we do? I just need a vacation. That'll fix everything. Or if I could just get a new car, a new house, or the big tub of Ben and Jerry's, then (laughs) everything's going to be good. Everything's going to be okay. Well, statistics tell us that isn't going to fix the problem, guys. It's actually showing us that it's making things worse. But God knows what we need because he's the one who's created us. And when we go to him, when he is our shepherd, do you guys know that the sheep hear the shepherd's voice? Oh, that's New Testament teaching. Exactly. And when we hear Jesus speaking to us, his sheep, the sheep of his pasture, okay, we're not going to want. Why? Because he has what we need. He is what we need. And then it goes on to say that he makes us lie down in green pastures. Oftentimes, we lay down in, you know, pastures that are always good for us, you know. My friend Tim here is this morning, or here this morning with his wife, Rachel, went to school, high school, middle school with Tim. And we were just talking before about how our appetites can change after time. You guys know that? Like, we can have really bad appetites for things. We can be partaking and taking things in that aren't good for us, but injurious. And if that's all we eat, (laughs) we're going to reap the consequences of that. But we know that appetites can change over time. We give ourselves to something else. You're like, you know what? I'm starting to feel better. But that's the cool thing with Jesus because we don't always know what's really needed. Because you know what? I like that pasture. Oh, it's greener over there. That's where I should be with the Joneses. Then everything will be good. But isn't it cool that Psalm 23 says that our good shepherd is going to lead us where? He's going to lead us to the green pasture. See, that makes us sit down in those places. And he leads us behind still waters, not rushing scary waters, still waters. I enjoy being by water. He restores my soul, we're told. And some of us need that. Some of our souls have been in torment for so long. And Jesus is the only one who can restore our souls to make us whole in that way. He leads us in the paths of righteousness. There is right and wrong. And if you guys are honest and we look at a world, the world today, it's very wrong in a lot of ways. Some of that YouTube junk I was taking in this week, this anti-Semitic, like, craziness that's going on like we know how wrong Hitler was and for the sheep of Germany to blindly follow and say you know what these Jews are horrible we need to eliminate them all off the face they're just filth we need to get rid of them all for a generation today that's not that far back guys we're doing the same thing again today That's just wicked. Racism is wicked. It is evil. And yet this is acceptable and okay. It's because we can't see, guys. 
That's why we need a good shepherd, because we have that sheep mentality. And if we follow the world, that's the stupidity that we find ourselves in without even knowing what we're doing. We're calling evil good and good evil. That's the day in which we're living. Anyways, I could go off for a while on that. But I wanted you guys to see the reality of having Jesus as a good shepherd. Where is he going to lead us? He's a good shepherd. We are sheep. People blindly follow. There's so many people who are blind today, and they're just leading other blind people. They don't think for themselves. But when you have Christ, we're blessed because he's going to lead us in what is right for his name's sake. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death. We considered the valley last week. How many of us go through those hard valleys? Scary times, right? Am I ever going to get through this? Yes, you're only going through it. He says, I will fear no evil for you are with me. Do you guys ever chew on the reality of fear? I mean, really think through, what is fear? How many of you guys were scared of going down in the basement when you were a kid because you were scared of the dark? Was I the only one? I hated going down there when I was a kid. I was scared of the dark. Did I really have anything to be scared about? No. Where, where was the fear? Was the fear really in the basement? Because the lights weren't turned on? Is that actually the fear? No, the fear was myself. And we all have some type of fears. Fears of getting close to people, of relationships, friendships. That's why so many people are alone today. I'm going to get hurt. And there's so many unknowns. And we live in a stage or a state of fear. When God has called us to what? To be courageous. We're to be courageous. Is courageous natural? No, that's a choice. That's a choice. This feeling of fear, that seems very natural, but it shouldn't be. Why? Because we more than anyone, brother and sister in Christ, we have Jesus. God is love. Perfect love casts out fear. What do we have to fear? Nothing. We have nothing to actually fear in this life. And that's the cool thing. When he says, hey, you might walk through the valley of shadow of death. That's a pretty scary place to be in. Guess what? You don't have to fear any evil. Why? Because he is with us. His rod and his staff, they comfort us. I like boundaries. I like discipline. God disciplines those whom he loves. You guys know there's great freedom to be found in boundaries, when we know what is right, this is what God has created us for. And he wants us to be free. It was for freedom's sake he came. And when we walk within his boundaries, what he has laid out, there is great freedom to be enjoyed in life. But a lot of people don't see that or understand that. They are very blind and they don't know how much bondage they are in. I think it's so cool when you've been set free. Sinners have to sin. Evil has to be. Because they've rejected the light. They want nothing to do with God. They're going to continue to live in disobedience. But when you come into the light, guess what? I get to see my Savior. I get to follow him. He's going to lead me. He's going to comfort me with his rod and his staff. He says he prepares a table before me in the presence of my enemies. I don't know about you guys, but God's all about eating. His tables are awesome. 
you anoint my head with oil, my cup runs over. We've studied all this before. This is beautiful. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. Um, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. So there is great hope there, guys, when we have a good shepherd in Jesus Christ. And one last scripture I want to share with you, and I shared it last week. Again, guys, we're considering God being with us. Where can I go from your spirit, or where can I flee from your presence? That's a great question. Because he is near. God is with us, Emmanuel. Where can I go? If I go up into heaven, behold, you're there. If I make my bed in hell, behold, you're there. If I sail to the most outer parts of the sea, behold, you are there. Even your hand will guide me, and your right hand shall hold me fast. There's nowhere we can go, guys. Nowhere. We cannot run away from God. He is with us. And some of you have tried to run away from God. Someone asked me earlier this week about the security question. I'm really looking forward to sitting down and talking about eternal security. But for you who've tried to run away from God, if you're truly born again, can you really run away from God? He'll let you run for a while, but he's right there. You might try going this way. Guess what? He's there too. You might try going back to where you used to be. Guess what? He's there now too. Once you are his, you are sealed with the Holy Spirit. You can't outrun him, guys. He is with you. So I'd rather be in the wilderness with God than on the mountain without him. Amen? That's the point this morning. God is with us. So I want to once again, (laughs) your deepest need becomes a gift. What is your deepest need? It becomes a gift when it drives you to depend upon God. But I don't like that, Pastor. I've been taught my whole life to be independent, to do it myself. We can't. We can't. That's why the flesh, the world, loves religion. Look what I can do. Look how good I am. And they still fall short. Because it's never going to be enough. But God has created us to be dependent upon him. He is our heavenly father. And we get to run to him. And he is there for us. Amen? Amen. Let's pray. Father, thank you. We thank you even an example of a prophet who lived thousands of years ago. God, we even have those same tendencies. There may be great exploits of faith in our life where we stepped out and we saw you do big things in and through our lives. And that is great. But there's also those things that just push us over the edge. And I know some of us feel that way this morning. Some of us feel like it's just one more thing. It's going to be the tipping point. We thank you that you've promised to be near the brokenhearted. 
We thank you for the gifts in this life, the hard things that show us over and over again our great need of you, who keep us humble, who keep us dependent, looking to you. Because you, we all know you're the answer. You're it. God, help us to treasure you, to desire you above all things, God. And we thank you for the reality of the Christmas season. Emmanuel, that you are with us very much. I know there are some, God, who don't know you in that way. They have not yet put their faith in you. May today be the day of salvation where they say yes to you, Jesus. Yes to your love. Yes to your eternal gift of life. Life eternally. God, we know that we need you. We know that you are it. God, keep us closer to you than we've ever been before. Help us as a church family just to keep pointing each other to you, Jesus. God, thank you for your word. Thank you for your example of Elijah here this morning. God, thank you that he couldn't outrun you, that you were there with him through it all. Uh, Please be with our church family. Keep providing. Keep protecting. Ask in your name, Jesus. Amen? Amen.